Hello and welcome to The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. I am your host, Blaine Bartlett, and this is The Soul of Business. Um, you know, as I think about where we're at today and you know, in the, the time that I'm doing this interview, it's mid-August uh, 2020, and we are smack dab in the middle of uh, this uh, incredibly disruptive pandemic. And a lot of our conversation on this show is organized around how do you keep the soul of your business alive? so that you can actually keep your business viable and alive. And that's one of the reasons that I'm so excited about um, our guest today, because uh, it's uh, a little bit different take on how I've been approaching some of the conversations we've had around businesses as solopreneurs or as entrepreneurs. Um, my guest today is uh, Lance Grolick, and Lance is probably the preeminent, and I'm going to you know, kind of go out on a limb here, but I don't think I'm too far out, uh, probably the preeminent um, expert on franchising you know, in this country. And uh, just, you know, he's the, the founder and CEO of Ion Franchising, which is a, a leading franchising uh, consulting and development group. He represents over 500 franchise brands and businesses, you know, business opportunities within 90 categories. And we'll, we'll explore some of that and we'll start taking a look at just kind of what does the, you know, what does franchising offer to an organization that is dealing with some very disruptive consequences to this pandemic. And um, just kind of where might this uh, suggest you might take your business and possibly even your life uh, as, a, as a consequence of some of the stuff that uh, Lance has to say. So without further ado, I'd like to just welcome Lance Grolick. Lance, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Blaine. Thanks for having me here. Uh, my absolute pleasure. <coughs> Excuse me here. Um, I'm gonna, yeah, question I ask everybody when we get started here is when you hear the phrase, and some people will kind of roll their eyes at this, but <clears throat> because it's almost an oxymoron, when you hear the phrase, the soul of business, what does that bring up for you? And why would that be important or interesting? You know, <laughs> every year it might be there. It's funny, being a fan of your podcasts, uh, I've, I've heard, uh, obviously it's the name of your podcast, but you just saw, talked about uh, solopreneurs. I think you should rename that soulpreneur. You know, uh, but you know what I think of in terms of soul. It's that non-physical. Um, it's the essence. Um, it's the essence of a brand. It's the spirit of a brand. And I can tell you a funny story. Years ago, I met one of the initial VPs of marketing and brand development at Starbucks. And we got in a whole conversation of the soul of Starbucks in the early days of Starbucks. This is probably in 2000 or so, probably a little earlier than that, possibly. And we talked about what the essence of a brand is all about. You know, what a customer sees and feels and touches and experiences. So in Starbucks case, that conversation that we had actually in Santa Monica, I'll never forget where it was. And uh, he was introduced to myself by a, a friend of mine. I was, uh, I was running a, a prominent restaurant brand uh, as a consultant there for quite a while. So we're talking about, you know, the music of a Starbucks and the, the, the smell, the aroma of the coffee, the sounds that you hear, the fact that and the reasons why the barista station is up front. Um, these are things that maybe weren't done prior to Starbucks. 
There are plenty of other coffee brands that were around prior to Starbucks. The fact that they write the name of your name on the cup, and hopefully it's at least phonetically written <laughs> correctly because some names, I don't know how Blaine, Blaine probably ends up with a Y every once in a while. So, yes. uh, but, but yeah, that, that's really the, the highlights to me. That was a conversation we had talking about the essence of a brand and the essence is truly the soul of a business. And Starbucks, some people might even argue, dare I say, that you know their coffee isn't that great. And there's plenty of other brands that have better coffee, which further, I guess, amplifies the fact that Starbucks has done an outstanding job of not only promotion, but their company culture and creating a soul that people can certainly appreciate. Yeah, that, that uh, third place. Um, Absolutely. Notion. And that was talked about as well on that day. That's when yeah. I learned about third places in that conversation. Yeah, I, yeah, Starbucks was a client of mine for about 10 years. And I, I worked with uh, just about everybody at the senior level. And they were adamant about the, you know, what, exactly what you're talking about. And I, and I recall Howard Schultz at one point saying, you know, the brand is what people make up in their mind about who you are. It's what they make up in their mind about who you are. And his attention to that kind of detail uh, the smell, the look, the feel, the taste, the, I mean, yeah, everything visually. Uh, it's, it's, it's served them well. Yep. And as you certainly know, then, uh, having worked with Starbucks in the early days, it was all about the experience and getting the customer in the store to have an interaction with the staff. Clearly, uh, things have changed. They chose to go the drive through route um, because they felt falling into the, you know, customers' hands, if you will. They wanted more convenience, and the drive-through brought that. The app they currently have, which is so successful, brought mm -hmm. that additional convenience. And, you know, uh, so it's, it's certainly a powerhouse brand that a lot of people can, you know, look up to. Well, what's interesting to me about them relative to what you do, you know, from a franchising perspective, you know, the, Starbucks doesn't franchise. Uh, they, they've got, I mean, stores all over the place and then they're uh, they're all company stores for the most part uh they've got some independent things but they're not franchises in the in the traditional sense right. when you start looking at taking that brand essence from a franchising perspective and here i'm thinking about uh and we were talking just prior to the show uh, a small restaurant here uh, not a big box uh, retail restaurant chain but a, a small restaurant here that maybe got one or two locations in a in a geographic area how do they take their brand essence and particularly given what we're looking at today the disruption of uh, COVID what, what is what's the opportunities that a franchising context might hold for them yeah I mean look I also help a lot of brands that are independent businesses create their franchise system I have a whole team uh, that does that and what mm -hmm. I talk about at that stage because I've brought I've created brands myself that I began to franchise and I sold. Um, I, I like the beginning stages, Blaine. I don't like, I'm not a maintainer. And uh -huh. uh, while I love the long term, there's a lot of people that can do that. Not a lot of people can start brands and, and not a lot of people can be successful at the beginning stages of giving birth to a brand, so to speak. But uh, what I can tell you is to me, it's all about the secret sauce, whether you're in the restaurant business or not, what is proprietary to your brand that customers love. If mm -hmm. you survey any restaurateurs out there, 
there, there's, or customers more importantly, of super famous brands, there, there's, there's just a few items that customers talk about. You know, it might be their specific product or the outstanding service or the fact that it's convenient or whatever it might be, but it still comes down to, uh, you know, what is that product that makes your brand so special that I can't get anywhere else, possibly delivered in a fashion that other people don't deliver uh, in, the, in the same way. So, you know, look, anybody can become a franchise if you have a, a good head start. Do you have mm -hmm. systems in place? Do you have marketing? I'll give you an example. I have a restaurant brand today. It has one location. They're already Instagram verified already with one location, which is unheard wow. of. They have yeah. more than 100,000 followers on Instagram and tons of people on Facebook because they've become part of their community. And as a part of their community, they have these raving fans. Remember the book, Raving Fans? Yeah. They have created those raving fans. People that will stick up for them on a regular basis when people are comparing food products. Well, have you tried this? You haven't tried them, you know, et cetera. This is the best out there. And, and you know, when you create enough raving fans, you are a brand to be reckoned with. And it doesn't mm -hmm. matter. Everybody starts with one location. Starbucks was not a raging success at the beginning. No. They, they, they had anemic volumes in the beginning. They were only doing coffee machines or, or espresso machines and whole bean coffee back in Seattle in the early days in a darker, dingy location. It wasn't about the experiences. We're going to sell you coffee in a machine and you can have a great experience at home. My, have things changed. Yes, you know, uh, up here on this island, Whidbey Island, uh, just north uh, northwest of Seattle, and when everything was locked down, our favorite restaurant on the island uh, was affected just like everybody else, and they pivoted very quickly. And, and you're talking here about the you know the secret sauce, and and I think this is really you know worth you know pointing out. It wasn't their food. It, you know, the secret sauce, and the food is extraordinary. It's really good. Um, but the secret sauce was their ability to reach out and connect. I mean, specifically on the part of the owner, but, you know, it trickled down to the uh, the service staff as well. And that kept them going. I mean, they, they pivoted. They started doing takeout, you know, not surprisingly, uh, but they weren't geared up for that originally. But you know, talk a little bit, if you would, Lance, about this secret sauce thing. It's, it's kind of, this becomes the economic engine. Yep. Uh, if you will. Yeah. That, and it's, you often not, it's often not the actual product that you're selling. Yeah. No, but you know, look, what makes your brand stand out above, above everybody else? For Starbucks, it was their system. They had a great system. They had a great ability to bring people in through their marketing machine, so to speak, make you feel like the, you know, part of the community. And, and to your point about that, that little restaurant you were talking about, they didn't even, it's not even so much about the food, just like Starbucks was not about the coffee. Howard Schultz, the CEO and founder of Starbucks has said countless times, it's not about the coffee, it's about the people. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, you know, so look, there is a, a Salon Suites brand that came to me recently. The founder came to me and we're setting her up in a franchise uh, right now. Uh, matter of fact, she's almost done with the process and so will be, be able to start selling franchises. She came to me and I said, well, there's other salon suites out there. Tell me that are franchising. Tell me what your point of differentiation is. And guess what? The good news, Blaine, is that she knew her competition and she knew exactly where she fit. Price point wise, 
cost to open, um, you know, environment, layout, the whole nine yards. And she said, well, I'm not quite as big as my competition as far as square footage. These days, isn't that an, a strategic advantage? I said, I, I would absolutely think so, absolutely. She said, well, my cost to build out is severely or uh, drastically reduced compared to my competition. I'm not gonna be 500,000 to open. Um, and by the way, I have a waiting list of people that want to become franchisees <clears throat> you know, because she has a following already. So, you know, look, when you get an owner that is intelligent, that is proven, she already has two corporate locations with outstanding profitability. One of my cohorts that I work with looked at me on the call, we're on a Zoom call with her, and he goes, wait, I think I want to be the first customer, first franchisee. And uh, which is hysterical. I mean, look, another funny story is the salon business in general. It doesn't, it's not just a former hairdresser, beautician, cosmetologist. I know a gentleman that owns 19 franchised hair salons, nets about a million and a half dollars a year, and he has no hair. He's not even a customer. I mean, so (laughs) salon franchise world is a it is well, it's like franchising in general. It's about modeling success and you follow a system. So, yes. uh, but the secret sauce, it's, it's what, what do you do that your competition isn't doing? What is it mm-hmm. that people are going to talk about and say, I want to go to Blaine's place because fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. Yeah. They have, you know, the, they have the best dot, dot, dot in town. Yep. You know, there's a, a notion that I talk about in, in uh, the book, Compassionate Capitalism, uh, about vulnerability and, and just you know, kind of a little sidebar. It's impossible for me to be compassionate about anything uh, or you know, towards anybody unless I feel connected in some way, shape or form. So that's kind of, you know, th- that, that's part of the recipe of compassion. But I can't get connected unless there's an opening. And that opening is called vulnerability. We connect through vulnerability. And where I'm going with this is when I start looking at that, the secret sauce, uh, when I start looking at the value proposition, not the monetary proposition, but the value proposition, in my experience, it's organized around that notion of where's the vulnerability? And by vulnerability, I'm I'm talking about there's a perception of um, something's missing that I can fill in. I, I can actually fill this space. Absolutely. Um, and that's, if, if you can crack that, that, that becomes the beginning component of your secret sauce, I would assume. Well, absolutely. You, you hit on some great stuff here. So it's all about your origin story. It's all about your history, why mm-hmm. you are who you are, and, and you know how did you really start? In-N-Out Burger is another famous brand started yes. Started in California, it's been around since 1948, and they have a story, and people appreciate that story. Their their raving fans certainly appreciate their story. But it is about your story. It is about how people connect to your story and want to feel a part of it. And by the way, you know, you mentioned your book, the the, the compassionate capitalist. You know, I'm an empathetic entrepreneur, and and go. and that's and that's what I do all day. I mean, about half of my business are people that are already entrepreneurs of some kind and want to expand their uh, empire. And then in in other cases, it's people that are what I call first time to the rodeo. They've never been an entrepreneur. And in some cases, they're a little nervous or scared or, you know, they might have quite a few relatives or family that uh, 
friends or family saying, what are you nuts? I had a call with a doctor the other day, a very successful doctor. You know what he said to me in the call? He said, he said, you know, Lance, I just have to tell you, my wife said I will never be successful being my own boss. He's worked for a hospital, has had big contracts with hospitals his entire life, but essentially he's beholden to that hospital. He's not in private practice per se, like many doctors, and he had an opportunity, just never did. So a lot of my work is mindset related in, in, you know, in, in that effect. But, you know, things like origin stories, it's not just selling food. It's not just selling a product anymore. You know, people do love to get on Amazon. I get it. In most cases, while there are people searching on Amazon, there's a lot of people looking for certain brands on Amazon too, that they already have a relationship with and need to have. And uh, so that, that's also a difference, uh, you know, as well. Um, so look, there's, <laughs> there's so many opportunities today. And at the end of the day, if you're going to start a business, I spoke to a lady the other day, she goes, look, I want to investigate. I want to really investigate and do, do, do my due diligence on these IV infusion brands of which I represent many. And because of the pandemic, it's a great thing to jump into because, you know, immune boosters, people are fearing, you know, for their health and, and, and they're busy as can be. And she said, well, I just want to investigate your brands because if I really don't feel comfortable or maybe it's too much money, I can start this on my own. And I said, well, you certainly can start something on your own, but at what level of risk are you willing to swallow through this process? And Boy, that's a great question. Yeah. And then I said, what is your secret sauce going to be when you have three competitors that have a leg up on you and have a, I mean, they have a head start. How are you going to compete with them in your marketplace? Look, everybody knows the story of McDonald's by now, right? McDonald's was the first burger chain to almost every single corner in America, right? And then Burger King, what was their strategy? Well, we're going to go across the street from McDonald's. We're going to go to every, wherever every, every McDonald's is. When people get tired of McDonald's, they're going to turn around and see us. Well, that does work to some degree. If mm-hmm. your quality is at least the same, we would hope. But, uh, you know, so there are stories we can talk about and share for days, you know, with all of this. But in franchising, if you are looking at a franchise, you are looking for a brand that is proven. And the beauty of the franchise process that I take people through, and I'll kind of jump ahead a little bit. The last step is what we call validation, where you have an Mm -hmm. opportunity to talk to existing franchisees and determine, is this right for me? Do I see myself in what Blaine, Blaine, the franchisee, is telling me about XYZ brand, is this something that I can do? Do I feel comfortable that Blaine makes enough money? He just told me how much money he made. Um, you know, is the ramp up period quick enough for me? Do I want to do this on my own? Probably not, because there's a lot of moving parts here. I don't want to try to compete with that brand. Um, you know, what is this brand's secret sauce? How would I even think about reinventing this. You know, I don't even know how to do that. How much would it cost to hire experts to reinvent? You know, I have an IV brand. They have 17 different vendors. And I told a nurse that called me the other day, a different story from what I started telling you earlier. I said, you want to recreate it? Go right ahead. 17 different vendors. Besides the money, how much time do you think it's going to take to find the right vendors to reinvent that? Or recreate it yeah. and how you're going to know when you've created something outstanding.
We'll be back with my guest, Lance Gralick, in just a moment. I want to thank you for listening. Um, I want to also invite you right now to go to blainebartlett.com. And on that site, which is my personal website, you'll see uh, services up on the top menu. I'd like you to click on Leadership Mastermind. Now, why I want you to do that is we have uh, structured a mastermind program that is very unusual and it is very powerful. And by going onto that site and clicking that link, you'll be taken to a landing page that is an invitation to join this mastermind. It's a 52 week long exploration of what it takes to be a highly effective leader in today's fast changing environment. You won't regret it. And if you've been liking what you've been listening to on these Soul of Business podcasts, how does one become a leader that can keep connection to the soul of business? That's what we look at. That's what we're about in this mastermind program. So again, go to blainebartlett.com and click on the services link. And there you'll find the link to the Leadership Mastermind program. Look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to this little commercial. And now back to our show. Yeah, you know, the, the, one of the key points that you make here, and I think this is really important to mark out, is the, the power of relationship. I mean, 17 brand or 17 vendors is a great example of why that's important. Um, my ability to survive long-term in times of great perturbation is fundamentally gonna come down to the quality of the relationships I've established in my in my you know, in my business, you know, in in the broadest sense of that uh, that term, and it's not just the you know the interpersonal relationship; it's the brand equity you know, that Absolutely. that comes into play with this. And, you know, people and, have and, and the and the best and also the best practices that other franchisees that are far more experienced than you that you know you're going to rely on. When I was a franchisee of multiple brands, I would get calls from new franchisees and you know one of the brands i was president of the franchise advisory council so i had quite a few newbies calling me saying so tell me again how do we ramp up so quickly because i don't really see that in the operations manual and yeah and, and and i would collect those best practices from the top franchisees so new franchisees would feel completely comfortable that they're covered we are their yeah. safety net because we don't want a fellow brother or sister to fail in the franchise community because it makes the brand look bad. Yeah, that, 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 that we're in this together notion you know, does go back to you know, the idea of leadership as I've defined it, which is co-creating coordinated movement. And this is, I think, one of the things that a, franchise, a successful franchising operation uh, makes uh, very, very visible is that you know, we are co-creating this, this Uber brand um, but we're also coordinating through the use of best practices and the sharing of best practices. So, you know, th there's a really interesting leadership move that uh, uh, is, is evidenced when you start looking at how you structure a franchise, a successful franchising uh, undertaking. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You come in. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, look, any good, smart individual gets into a franchise or before they get into a franchise, there's an interview process. And, and you have to like each other, like a relationship, like a marriage. It's a two-way street. I mean, I had a CPA recently, brilliant guy, very successful, and 
uh, I'll be honest, he was just rather obnoxious. And I had a brand call me, a phenomenal fitness brand called me and said, you know, I don't know who this guy thinks he is, but we're not going to accept him. I don't care how much money he has. He's the wrong fit for our company culture. He was late mm-hmm. for the first call and he was uh, interrupting in the second call. And we had other prospective franchisees on the line and uh, he doesn't fit. And, you know, so once you get past that stage, uh, you know, the, the dating stage, if you will, yeah. um, you know, there used to be a virtual, it used to be a face-to-face discovery day where you visit the brand, whether you get on a plane or get in a car, you visit the brand, you see the corporate office, you visit the corporate executives, they take you to lunch, they take you to dinner. And, you know, many great entrepreneurs, whether it's, uh, I think Warren Buffett and Steve Jobs both said the same type of thing. You know, before I ever hire anybody or decide to work with anybody, I, gotta, I have to share a meal with these individuals. And that's yeah. really, I think, part of the secret to Discovery Day is, is that. Because, yeah. you know, franchise agreements are typically 10 years. You don't want to be associated with somebody for 10 years unless you really like them and want right. to spend time with them. So, uh, you know, so the nowadays we're doing virtual discovery days with most of the brands. The brands have learned to adapt to that. Uh, even some of the brands where, you know, myself, I'm a little old school. I like the face to face, the handshaking. Well, we don't do that anymore. At least at the moment we don't. <laughs> right, so, right. Uh, you know, but franchising is, is, is incredible. There's so many wonderful brands today that uh, B2B brands that have adapted to go virtual that had, I know you want to ask that. <laughs> I jumped yeah. the gun. Sorry, Blaine. <laughs> no, 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 go ahead. You know, the, the whole B2B side of it, because when people think of franchising, it's usually B2C. So, you know, talk a little bit from that, you know, the perspective of B2B uh, on yeah. a franchising. You know, look, model. the franchise world, for the most part, franchising is solid and strong today, uh, with the exception of some obvious big box brands. If you're a big box restaurant brand, like an Applebee's or a Chili's or a Friday's, it's a little more difficult. You're paying an awful lot of rent to just be doing, you know, 50% occupancy or in other parts of the world, I think, what are we at? 25% occupancy in some yeah, areas. Yeah. It's, it's incredibly difficult, but there are reports now coming out, earnings claims for publicly traded restaurant companies that are showing fantastic numbers through the pandemic that are shocking people through fast casual brands, like one of my old brands, Wingstop. I was a multi-unit Franchisee of Wingstop, I was president of the advisory council for Wingstop, putting up outstanding numbers, up over 30%, uh, same, same store sales increases. I have quite a few brands that are experiencing the same sort of numbers. Now, these are brands that are smaller. You're talking about under 2,000 square feet. Prior to the pandemic, they were already doing 50% of their business, takeout to go or delivery. And so they were, mm-hmm. they were positioned perfectly or as perfectly as, as can be positioned for a pandemic because people were already used to contacting them for takeout delivery or to go. Um, So if you weren't in that position prior, you you had to adapt pretty quickly to figure out how to get people, you know, get your food to people in that case. So let's talk about B2B. I have quite a few brands that had some slight modifications through the pandemic. These were brands that might do your telemarketing for you, set up face-to-face meetings with small to medium-sized businesses. And, and there were some brands that loved the face-to-face. Well, what did they do? Everybody took pretty much, what, a month off, depending on what part of the country you're in. And we all were at a standstill for that month. It could be 
you know, uh, some parts of the country, the month was more recent than others. And, and you all kind of just stood there. Everybody's like, um, so what are we doing? Let's go. Well, <laughs> let's kind of wait and see. Well, many brands jumped into action and said, well, we did do some things on Zoom, but we never really did too much on Zoom. Let's jump on Zoom and see if we can have meetings. And, and they did. And, and quite a few of those brands were, well, let's just say the old school brands that already had very successful franchisees that did these face-to-face meetings. Now they're doing Zoom meetings and corporate or the franchisor had to admit, you know what? This was silly that we didn't think of this earlier because now our franchisees don't have to drive all over town, yeah. get stuck in traffic, you know, find out somebody forgot about the meeting maybe that couldn't see them. And instead of getting, you know, six meetings in a day, they can now get 10 or 12 or whatever the number is. Mm -hmm. So that's been quite a a success that will carry over post pandemic for sure. I have another brand that is a combination of business networking and business education. It's a newer brand, very, very successful. It's a big announcement coming up on this brand in a couple of weeks. That is an incredible major celebrity athlete is getting involved in their brand in a market, which I can't announce yet, but they did nothing on Zoom as well. All face-to-face meetings. And they quickly jumped in and started doing the virtual meetings and they realized, why the heck didn't we do this before? And you know, Blaine, it's something I call the success syndrome. I learned this from a mentor probably about 30 years ago about the success syndrome. You know, when you're already successful, you don't necessarily spend enough time innovating because you're already successful. Mm-hmm. And I, I think a lot of us would believe that people like Steve Jobs were, were forever the innovators, you know? And, and when he was gone, all of a sudden, there was that worry at Apple, are they no longer gonna innovate? Because that's yeah. something, that's a big hallmark for what Steve Jobs was all about. Never sat, ne- never settle. And uh, this particular brand I'm talking about didn't settle jumped into Zoom. In fact, they, they, they like Zoom. They love the idea. And they spent $250,000 creating their own platform that they thought was better. And they're in the process of that. So my point of this whole story is they're going to have a whole new platform that didn't exist prior to the pandemic. And, and they're already going to come out of it far stronger than, than what they, where they were before. And there's quite a few brands like that that have adapted yeah. Uh, out of need and have worked. Now, look, if you're in the salon business, uh, the salon business was definitely, or the fitness business, they were not good places to be when the pandemic hit. The belief though, is the pandemic clearly will not last forever. However, in the salon business, you can social distance, you can certainly separate stations. Uh, Mm -hmm. The fitness world, we're still trying to figure that out. Although- You know, I belong to a gym. I go to a gym. You have to wear your mask and do certain things. Yep. But clearly, clearly the occupancy is not the same at the gym at this point. I'm sure people have canceled. But again, I think that's pretty temporary. There are clearly certain categories to dive into during a pandemic and, and, or to not join during a pandemic. You right. can wait it out and see what happens. But yeah. home health care, home health care is going to grow well, straight up. For 30 yeah. years. Telemedicine. Yeah. Just, yeah. Telemedicine, all of that. You know, so there are, there are obviously quite a few brands that you should get into today. You know, I reach out to potential candidates or clients and, and some of them's reaction, some of their reactions these days is, Lance, there's a pandemic. 
And, <laughs> and you know, what I always tell everyone that'll listen is look, 50% of my clientele are people that are going to be their own boss come heck or high water. And whether there's a pandemic or not, they're, they're going for it. And yeah. they're just going to be smart about their selection. The other 50% you can imagine, Blaine, are on the fence. They were on the fence before the pandemic. The yep. pandemic just gave them another excuse to, they're about to get off the bench, so to speak, and they sat right back down. And they'll be there yep. until the pandemic is over. And that's okay. I'm used to that. I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. So I have the, I, I am a risk taker. I've always been a risk taker. I didn't need anybody to tell me otherwise. And I'm sure you are exactly. You raise your hand. Yep. So, but you know, home restoration brands today. I have quite a few franchise home restoration brands. You know, if there's a flood or a hurricane or a, you know, you need mold remediation or a tornado hit or whatever it might be, you're going to get your house fixed no matter what. A lot of the home care brands, if you were in, you know, the closets, closets by design, or, or you know, any of those brands, uh, flooring companies. How many of your friends and family remodeled their house during the pandemic? They're yeah. stuck at home yeah. looking at their closets saying, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. Yeah, I, uh, my office needs a refit. It's, I mean, it's, if I'm going to be spending this much time in my office, I'd better get it to a point where I can actually work in it. We have so many home repair, home maintenance uh, type brands that, you know, look, again, that month or so when people did nothing, they were scared, they were confused, they didn't know what was going on. Everybody was frozen in time, you know, enjoying themselves and or not at home. And then all yeah. of a sudden, people started spending <clears throat> again. Some of our yes. brands had record months in April and May and June. Retail spending is up. It's it's really I mean it's really interesting just demographically where the money is you know is being directed right now and uh, saving is up as well. So there, I mean there's there's interesting dynamics in play here. Um, you know, there's something I want to have, you know, the listeners, I mean, it, you, you offer a service, um, for prospective, uh, entrepreneurs to find their perfect franchise. And as, as I understand, you know, you do this, uh, basically for free. Absolutely. So can you talk a little bit about that? So, cause I, I yeah, and I love what you're doing here and I want to find a way to, yeah, if, if you're listening to this and you've got an idea and, and, and or you would like some professional assistance in actually leveraging what you already do, listen to this right now. Listen to this. Thank you, Blaine. Blaine. So if you go to my website, Ion Franchising, ionfranchising.com, I have a free assessment right on the main page. Click on the free assessment. The whole purpose of the free assessment is to assess your skill set in addition to your mindset what your risk tolerance is you know what have you done in the past what are you looking to do in the future that fits your lifestyle and believe it or not it's going to give you a pretty darn detailed scientific report based on your answers and and really communicate to me what brands you're most compatible with and in some cases uh, not only the categories it will give me specific brands that are most suited for you. Now that, in addition to me asking you a whole host of questions like, you know, what is really your investment level? You're looking for financing because the SBA, you can get an SBA loan typically with 680 credit score, which isn't too, uh, 
challenging. And uh, yeah. 25% down payment is the norm, although it can be less. And, uh, you know, something that fits your lifestyle. I have people that tell me outright, look, I don't want brick and mortar. I don't want to work weekends. I don't want to work nights. Uh, I want to be the owner operator or I want to be a semi-absentee owner. So there's a lot of different pieces to the puzzle and I can help with that because I represent now actually closer to 600 brands uh, in every imaginable category. What I love the most is I just, I just got a gentleman a business and he was referred to me by someone and his comment to me exactly was, th was this is like, Lance, I don't know how I would have found this brand if I hadn't found you. And, and I love hearing that. I love changing lives. And the reality is that is what we do. You cannot possibly do a Google search and find the brand that is perfect for you. You might get lucky and find a few that sound right for you, but I can give you everything from the franchise fee to the royalty to you know, income projections straight out of their franchise disclosure documents, what have you. So I am your advocate and I am free, as Blaine said. That's, I love it. My guest today, Lance uh, Grawlick, and uh, IonsFranchise.com, um, or I'm, trying, I'm sorry, IonFranchising.com. Um, Lance, this has been a, a, I mean, I love this conversation. I think it's timely. I think it's perfect. You bring a resource uh, that I think a lot of the listeners can actually leverage. And I don't want you to be shy, guys. I want you to just, you know, if, if this resonates with you, um, do something about it. Leaders take action. And, yeah, the idea here is, you know, there's an essence to your brand. There's an essence to who you are. Find ways to have that be expressed. Find ways to have it be leveraged. Find ways to grow it. And that's what we're all about here, making a difference, making an impact. So, Lance, again, thank you very much. Um, thank you. It's been a pleasure having you on. My pleasure. And, You've been listening <clears throat> to The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. Uh, again, this is Blaine Bartlett, your host. And until uh, our next episode, um, go out and have a wonderful life. Take care. Be safe. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>